The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection. I'm Linda Sharkey, and um, I'm happy to have you with me today. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, something that just I saw in the news today and that actually turns out to be a good thing but really disturbed me. Walmart, one of the largest companies in the world, certainly the largest retailer and one of the largest employers in the U.S., all of a sudden has a sudden turnaround about how it's treating its people. It's uh, giving pay raises, uh, giving pay raises to managers. It's now much more people-focused, you know, and it's so funny. When the economy wasn't good, uh, what were they doing but squeezing every last ounce out of people? And now that they're having trouble keeping people and retaining people and the the uh, employment market is tight, they're more employee and people friendly. Surprise, surprise. Isn't it amazing when a, a, a company like that can turn around so quickly? They're changing some dress codes. You know, they're putting... Uh, better temperatures into the stores, changing the music, engaging employees more because they need to keep good workers. Well, the truth of the matter is that they needed to keep good workers throughout and they needed to have goodwill with their workers throughout. But, you know, it took it took a, a, a turning around economy to make them see the light. But, you know, what does HR say? HR says, well, we're doing this because we want to retain the best people. So where were they a year ago, two years ago, four years ago? They were order takers. They didn't hold up a picture to the company. They didn't help the company understand that being focused on people and working with people was your best customer retention and your best service retention for the best employees. Stop being order takers, HR people. Be out there and talk to your leaders, work with your leaders to do the right thing. Don't take advantage of employees. Even when times are tough, do the right thing. They should have been focused on this all along. I'm glad now that they finally saw the light, but enough on, uh, on that topic. So what does that have to do with today's show? Well, first of all, I want to say that I am thrilled to be on the board of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. It is one of the leading organizations in helping leaders function 
more effectively because they have a better understanding of how their brain works. And there's an actual capacities assessment that this organization does. It's a one of a kind. I don't know anyone else that has this. But here's the nexus. You know, leaders need to be more emotionally intelligent than and less financially intelligent. And when you look at your brain-based capacity assessment, you can begin to see how you can move a little bit more to the people side of things. Speak the language of people. Yes, you have to make money. Make mo- making money is important, and I'm not minimizing that for one second. But that's not the only focus and the only reason a company exists. It exists to create great people, to provide livelihoods, to create great communities, and have a purpose that is beyond its spreadsheet. So with me today is Phil Dixon. And I'm so excited to have Phil. He's been on before talking about neuroscience. and But this time we've decided to dedicate a whole month to this topic. Because I think this topic is really going to explode the way we think about developing people, developing organizations, and what theories and practices we use that were rooted in industrial era kinds of beliefs that now are going to help us understand how to make even better leaders, better workplaces, better communities, and really get around and get away from a lot of the bias that we all have. Some of it good, some of it not so good. So with that, I want to introduce Phil Dixon. Phil is the CEO and founder of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. He is a leading expert in applying knowledge in the latest field of neuroscience into the areas of leadership development, organizational and culture change, and coaching. He has over 40 years of experience in learning and development in neuroscience, and on route to Phil's in his own journey, he's worked in both the public and private sectors, established consulting firms, and has lived and worked in 21 different countries. So I'm excited to have uh, Phil with us. He has a master's in science and coaching and consulting from Oxford Business School, among other things. Um, So enough from me. What we're going to be talking today with Phil about is what's the next wave of neuroscience and what is it that is going to be the evolution and what are we going to see the impact of that evolution on the workplace. So Phil, thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you and, and, and excited to spend the next uh, of this month focusing on neuroscience and its impact. I'm, thanks, Linda, and I'm very excited to be here. Great. So let me start. Why did you get into neuroscience in the first place? What really attracted you and kind of float, floated, I guess, your boat around this topic? What, what floated my boat was, uh, well, I've been in the leadership development field for about 30 years, starting when I was at Apple in uh, 1986, I think it was, so you know, about 30 years. And I've been doing the leadership development work, organizational development work, culture work, etc. since then. Um, in, in 2009, I had the opportunity and a, a great piece of fortune, to, as you mentioned, uh, to do that master's program at Oxford Business School. 
Uh, in fact, the uh, the gentleman you had on the program two weeks ago, Walter McFarland, is uh, yes. you know, an alumni from the same program. Yes. Um, and during that program, we were exposed uh, to, a, a, to a day of work on the neuroscience of the brain. Um, and as I was listening to that explanation, I had a, a you know, personal epiphany. Um, and it sort of went something like this. This explains it all. It explains what I've been doing right in the field of leadership development over the past 30 years or 25 years. It also explained a few things I've been doing wrong. Um, and so I realized that it, it all starts with an activity in someone's brain, either the leader's brain or the brains of the people that are working for that leader. It, so it all starts in one of those two places. And that's what really got me excited about, hey, I'm going to go off and start looking at this. Yeah. So tell me, what were some, when you had that epiphany, what were some of the things that you saw that you were you know, doing wrong, that were practices, you know, that I'm assuming, you know, are pretty much standard that just didn't work. What were some of those? Well, one of the, one of the practices that we used to think was the, the, you know, the latest technology in individual development was to put people around a room and we'd put them on a hot seat and we'd turn around and say, give this person feedback about what they need to do to improve. And I actually was in one occasion, I actually was a recipient of this. And when people sit there and get given... Sounds in a like public fun. Domain, oh, yeah. You know, then, you know, another, one, <laughs> another piece of fun is to take a root canal or stick a pin in your eye. Um, right. and, right. and so what would happen is people would give this feedback, and we wonder why it didn't change. Or well, Now what, with what we know in the brain is that so puts the brain into a threat state. It's almost impossible for people to, it was certainly impossible for people to remember what's told to them, but it's almost impossible for the brain to learn anything. It's, it is such a tough situation. So that was something we used to do. In fact, at the end of my program, when I learned this, I went back to one of my subsequent clients and apologized to him for actually inflicting that on him. Wow, what a, what that, that's a great insight. I, I love that. What were some of the things that you, that, that you realized were really helpful? Um, that, that when, and this is going to sound so simple, but when we actually say thank you to people or nice job or I really like the way you handled that presentation yesterday and it's done in an authentic way, that actually releases chemicals into the brain that make people feel good. Uh, it releases dopamine into the brain, right? That, that just that simple act of saying thank you. Now, we've been saying that to leaders for 25, 30, 40 years, but if you could actually go in and say neurobiologically, this is the action that's actually happening on the recipient, and it makes them feel you know, warm, uh, it makes them more inspired to do something. So it's not just a, an, uh, in some ways, what we're doing is putting the hard science behind the soft skills. Yeah, which I absolutely love. I think that's really great. You know, Marshall, whom you know, as, as, uh, as I do too, has that whole model. And part of the model is to thank people. You know, yeah. when, when people, you know, give you some feedback or give you an idea or a suggestion. And, you know, I, I don't think he fell upon it from neuroscience. He fell upon it more from observing other people's uh, behavior. But so, so you hooked up with a gentleman named Evian Gordon, whom I met the last one a while ago when I was in uh, San Francisco with you. And uh, Evian, PhD, um, major thought leader in uh, neuroscience, 
as well as a, a medical doctor. What made you, what did you love about his work, and what made you connect with him? Well, what made, I'm going to answer the second one first, is what made me connect with him is I think we both had the same bizarre sense of humor, um, which, by the way, is also very important. But what made me admire his work was um, he's been in the field of neuroscience for, I think, about 30 years, maybe longer. He's published over 300 papers in the field. He's formed um, a company which actually owns the world's largest database of brain-based data. And he's devoted his life to the study of the brain. And one of the things he did, and this is probably about 10, 12 years ago, uh, he studied about a 1,000 models of the brain and distilled them down into an easy-to-remember overarching model which we actually call the one two four model. Uh, we can talk about that if we want, if, uh, if we want to. Um, but it's an easy way of remembering how is the brain organized, uh, what's its processing modes, and what does it actually do. And, um, and that just fascinated me because one of the things I realized is that when people can play, take really complex aspects, and the brain, let's face it, is a really complex organ, and really simplify it, then that means that they've got some level of understanding that the rest of us don't. And that's really what attracted me to him. Yeah, that, that's so exciting. We're, we're going to be uh, breaking about 30 seconds, but um, quickly tell me what you see the 124 model is. And well, so the quickly, big one and then we'll is, explore after yeah, the break. In, in 30 seconds, I've never had that challenge before, um, but <laughs> in 30 seconds, it's got, the brain has one prime driver, and that's to keep you safe. It avoids danger, and it goes towards reward. It can't reward itself, though, until it feels safe. So the brain has to feel safe. That's the 30-second version. Wow, that's great. So we're, we're going to have a break, and uh, we're going to come back and talk with Phil Dixon about the next evolution of uh, neuroscience um, and the next evolution of the neuroscience leadership and more detail about the one, two, four model. So stay with us. I'm talking with Phil Dixon, CEO of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? 
Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to iLead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Phil Dixon, CEO uh, and founder of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. So excited to have Phil. And we were talking about the one, two, four model and how the brain actually works uh, using this model. And, you know, I have to tell you, Phil, uh, you know, we were doing a lot of tweeting and I got a lot of tweets before this show. And I actually had somebody out who will go nameless who sent me a tweet saying, though, neuroscience and, and uh, brain-based leadership is passe. You know, it's, it's old news. And I said, really? I think we're just scratching the surface. So what do you think? I absolutely think I agree. Well, first of all, I agree with you. I think we're just scratching the surface. We're... Uh, I mean, uh, there's a guy called John Medina who does a lot of development work on the brain. He says, we, you know, we don't know huge amounts around the brain. We are still scratching the surface. And I think if we look back in 10, 20, 30 years' time, we look back to today, we're going we're gonna to say, wait a minute, you tried to do all this leadership stuff without understanding the brain? Were you nuts? <laughs> what were you thinking? Right. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, you weren't. <laughs> well, that there you go. You absolutely weren't thinking. I, I also think that this is prime uh, material to really be thinking about how uh, we lead and how we create organizations uh, for the future that are much more exciting and innovative for people. So let's go back. Tell me about, you know, the prime drivers to keep you safe, but give us some more insight into this one, two, four model. Well, so first of all, um, I mentioned in the 30-second time that we're driven by the, the need for safety. The brain needs to feel safe. And we can go back into evolutionary theory about why that is, but essentially that's number one. Number two, the brain processes information, and we, we estimate that we get about 11 million bits of information every second land on our, on our bodies and therefore dealt with by the brain. And of that 11 million, they're processed in two ways. One is consciously and that's the sort of thing that you and I are doing right now. And then non-consciously, which is all of those habits and triggers and tendencies that are, you know, if you like, behind the scenes. But the ratio between the two isn't very equal. It's about a million to one. So we're actually processing non-consciously much more than we are processing consciously. Um, hmm. And um, 
So, you know, so things like biases, for example, and if anybody wants to, they can go on Wikipedia and look up social biases. You'll find about 170 of them. Um, and those are the sorts of things that we process non-consciously. We don't know that we're being biased, but we are. Um, and so that's the second thing. The, the, the third part, that's the two of the one, two, four model. The four is that there's four processing modes. We respond to all that data that's coming in. We call it you know, the emotional cue response. We then have a thinking process and we have a feeling process. Feeling meaning uh, a physiological response. You know, blood, um, uh, sorry, heart rate goes up and uh, stink, skin conductance goes up, breathing goes up. And then finally, there's a process of self-regulating, which is actually, well, how am I going to respond to this? So those are the four processes, uh, emotional cue response, thinking, feeling, and self-regulating. So those are the, that's the sort of why the one, two, four model. And that, what we found is it's easy for, for leaders and managers and every one of us to actually understand, hey, this complex thing called the brain, this is how it actually works. Interesting. Now, is there any order to the four? Um, did, of, of, you know, thinking, feeling, processing, is there any order to that? Or Well, so the neuroscientists have an ongoing debate at the moment, whether something, um, whether you feel something physiologically and therefore you interpret it with a, something about your thought, or whether it triggers off a thought and that thought causes the feeling to occur. So I'm not going to try and sequence those two. That's an ongoing debate. The first thing that happens mm -hmm. is your response to the emotional cue then you get this thinking, feeling dynamic going on, which is probably sort of an iterative process. And then you actually, at some level, de determine what you're going to do about it. That's the self-regulation. So it actually does go through that process. Interesting, interesting. I don't know if you saw this recently, but there was an uh, interesting article in the op-ed section of uh, the New York Times by Nicholas Kristof. And um, he talked about our biased brains. And he said, you know, Early on, they did a study of the human brain, and it seems to be wired to categorize people um, by race after seeing the face, and that it happens very early. Um, it's not necessarily good or bad, but it, 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 it actually happens uh, in infants, and infants will show preferences for their own racial group. Um, so they, they already notice differences and make judgments and decisions. I, th I thought that was fascinating. It, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I mentioned if you go onto Wikipedia, you can find 170 biases. And there, there's probably there's more than that. Um, we're, we are biased against people who look uh, – sorry, we're biased towards people that look just like us or behave like us or – um, so I always do a, a, a test for biases, and you start asking people, who owns a dog? Now, all of a sudden, if I know somebody has a, uh, has a dog, I'm actually more biased towards listening to them. I think they're, I trust them more. I think they are more competent because I've got a dog, and yet I may not know anything more about them. So there's all sorts yeah. of things. and we, it, It's actually processed in a different part of the brain. We call it in-group processing versus out-group processing. Hmm. So people do create, and you know, there was another interesting article that I was just reading in, a, in another book recently that, um, uh, you know, managers and leaders, which you and I know because we've been in this field forever, you know, often hire people who look like them, think like them, act like them, enjoy the same things, and that's such a common phenomenon that when you do that, it's so difficult to get 
inclusion and diversity and diverse innovative thinking. So the brain is really wired to do that, actually, is what you're saying. Well, not only is it, and it's actually sort of more insidious than that, and that's all true, but what tends to happen is, yes, we hire it in our own image, as it were, but then what happens is even if we think that, oh, I'm going to hire some people that are different to me, either in their thinking or their style or their approach or whatever, when we get them into the organization, we now try and beat them up if they behave differently. So, you know, not only are we... uh, so. Even when they're inside the organization, if they're diverse, we actually push against them uh, displaying those diverse processes. You know, uh, that is so true. We spend all our time, it's like that play, you know, uh, I love you, marry me, now change. You know, so I bring into my company because you're different. And now now change, conform to the way we do things. But I love that story you tell about Apple and the dress code. Would you tell that story? Because I think it depicts exactly that. Uh, yeah, I joined Apple in early 1980, and um, I'd come fresh from Europe, and in Europe I was wearing um, uh, double-breasted Italian uh, light gray suits, and when I got into Apple, um, I won't give the gentleman's name away, but he came up to me and he said, you know, Phil, we don't have a dress code here, you don't have to wear suits, and I said, well, that's great, thank you very much, um, and I kept wearing my suit. And about two weeks later, he came up and he repeated the conversation. He said, you know, you don't have to wear a suit here. We don't have a dress code. And I said, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. And about three weeks later, he came up and said exactly the same thing again. And I said, look, I think you do have a dress code. Now, the dress code you have is jeans and T-shirt. I don't feel comfortable dressing in jeans and T-shirt. And therefore, if that's the dress code, I'll, I'll obviously comply. But don't tell me you don't have a dress code. Um, and he never said that, he never said anything more about it, and uh, I carried on wearing my suit. I love that. I love that story. But we do that kind of thing all the time. You know, we we really do. So tell me how you made the direct link between neuroscience and the brain to leadership, because I think that's an interesting nexus. Well, for me, it was actually uh, as a result of the one two four model uh, we mentioned earlier on, and um, Evian had actually produced a direct objective uh, assessment of brain capacities, and I think it's the only one that's out there at the moment, and they actually measured 17 capacities of the brain. And when I started to read about these, and this is about two years ago, I started to realize that many of the things that Evian was measuring, and those are things like attention, working memory, short-term memory, focus, emotion control, inhibition, all those type of things, I realized hey, they are exactly the same things that we attempt to measure in leadership assessments. And maybe there's a link between the two. And so I started talking to Evian about it and said, can we take this assessment and convert it into a leadership assessment? And that really was one of the big triggers that, uh, that happened about, uh, I guess, about two years ago. Yeah, and now you are using it as the basis of uh, some of your leadership development Correct. Absolutely, we we um, we took that. We released it last October, and right now I think we have about a hundred coaches trained worldwide. Um, we're planning it again, planning to get another thousand trained over the next two years, um, so that people can actually take this assessment and help leaders really understand what's going on in their brains. So that once you know about your brain, then you can do something about it. And in fact, you can you can link it into some. 
uh, brain training uh, apps and exercises which actually will tune up the part of the brain that might be, um, well, might be in need of tuning up. Yeah. So tell me something, Phil. You know, do, um, can people change, do you think? We're 30 seconds until the break, but we'll talk about this after break. But quickly, can, can people change once they do have, can they retrain their brain? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we know, and this is actually a dichotomy because the brain can actually change very easily. For some of the people listening to this session today, we've actually changed their brain already. They will remember something in their brain that they didn't have before. So the, from a point of view of the brain itself, yes, the brain can change very easily. Why, don't, why people don't change, now that's a different, uh, a different question which we could pick up on when we come back. Yes, let's definitely pick up on that after a break, uh, why people don't change. And I also want to talk to you about the safety model. Um, Very interesting model. So stay with us. We're talking about brain-based leadership, how you can train and develop your brain. Phil Dixon, CEO of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. Uh, After break, we're going to be talking about how you can change and why sometimes people don't change and what specific things you can do. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. 
We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is Phil Dixon, uh, CEO of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. And we are talking about neuroscience, leadership, and how people change, and how you can train your brain, and how you can find out uh, what brain capacities you're using the most and what ones you may need to tune up to be a better leader. So, Phil, tell me, how quickly does the brain change? I'm not sure we know exactly how quickly, but what we do know is that the brain can change incredibly quickly. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of stories out there in the literature about um, people who have um, determined, you know, been especially uh, recipients of stroke accidents and things like that, where they've actually rewired massive parts of their brain. So, and we call it neuroplasticity. That's the ability of the brain to change. And as I said earlier on, some people just listening to this show already, some parts of their brain have been rewired and made some new connections, so we've actually changed. And they may change some behavior as a result. Now, so you know, we don't really know, but let's say it, say it takes somewhere, uh, we know the brain scans every one-fifth of a second, and so it probably is actually happening very, very, very quickly at some level. Then typically overnight we consolidate those memories and presuming that they were useful enough to us, we'll retain that, and we may choose to do something differently. Now, as regards why people don't change... Yeah, I'd um, love to know that. Well, That's I, the age-old question, right? It's the age-old question, and I wish I had an age-old perfect answer for you. Um, but I have a couple of conjecture answers, so I'm going to you know, throw a few of them out. I think one of them is that uh, we mentioned earlier on about the, the need for the brain to feel safe, the instant someone talks about a change, it actually makes the brain think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be in trouble. And so, therefore, the brain actually um, resists change in every way, shape, or form. It, the brain likes consistency. It likes commitment. It, uh, and so that's the sorts of things it's looking for. And the instant a change comes along, the brain directly feels threatened. So that's, you know, at, a, at an individual and a personal level, I think that's, that's one of the reasons. Now, not everybody reacts the same way, um, and that's what we can come to in the safety model. But the other thing I think happens is organizations create sort of a massive program that we're going to do a, quote, change program, unquote, and we put big flip charts up and we put big announcements up, and guess what we're doing? We're actually putting fear into everybody because they're bracing themselves for something different. So I think the I think if you look at you you said earlier on when you introduced it maybe some of the old theories need to change maybe we need to take a whole new view of how we do quotes change management the very name change management may actually put a lot of people's brain right right into a threat state right there yeah and you know people have run huge programs and initiatives around managing change and leading change. Uh, so that's a very good observation. So tell me about this safety model, and why is it the next evolution of uh, neuroscience leadership? Well, I think for for us and the you know us at the uh, the Academy of Brain Based Leadership, we sort of realized that if we just use the word safety, well, first of all, the word safety feels good to the brain. <laughs> just the word itself makes us feel like, oh, that's warm and cozy. We can be in a safe place. So we sort of find that that actually gets much more acceptance 
Um, and, w- and what the what the word stands for is actually. So, so let me just back up a moment. And that is some work done about I guess it was about ten years ago by uh, Matt Lieberman and Naomi Eisenberger. I think they were in L.A. at Los Angeles at the time, and they made the linkage linkage between the way the brain responds to social and emotional threats is exactly the same way as it responds to physical threats or, um, or physical pain. And they basically said, wait a minute, if that's the case, then you know, maybe we need to pay more attention to what's going on in the way of what, what is the brain threatened by. You know, a million years ago, it was the saber-toothed tiger or the, man, the woolly mammoth. Nowadays, we don't see many of those on the way to work. But we do see people when we get oh, to work. Oh, I do. I see a few. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, I've seen a couple of managers that I would call woolly mammoths. But, right, uh, yeah. Um, but so, um, we, so what we now said is let's take a look at what are the domains of those threats. And, we, and so the, the first SAFET stands for security, autonomy, fairness, esteem, and trust. Um, and you mentioned earlier on about the... Um, the, the two-year-old that picks up um, sort of racial features, and that's a fundamental part of the, the fact that, of, of trust of other people. If, we, if we're not in trust with them, they're more likely to put us into a threat state. So those are the first five parts of the safety model, security, autonomy, fairness, esteem, and trust. And the, and the, the why is you. What is it that you bring as an individual to all those things? And, and that's your own biases, your own tendencies, triggers, habits. What influences you? Um, what's your background? What are your personal experiences? What are your childhood experiences? Uh, and where it, where's your today thinking? What's your goals? What's your attitude? So all of those things are another whole panoply of things that come along and influence what is going to be a reward for you and what's going to be a threat for you. So that's really that's the sort of summary of what the safety model does. Yeah. So, so Phil, can we really break those chains, those those non-conscious chains that kind of bind us, that come from all those years of experience and those 11 million bits of information that, you know, we just navigate through? Well, are we um, ever going to be able to break through that and be different people? Uh, my, my, so I have a belief here, and the answer is yes. If I didn't believe that, I probably would hang up my hat and go and grow lettuces. Um, so, but, so I, I actually believe that people can change. What, we, what we're starting to do now is to understand some models of change, especially as regards how the brain works, and we've talked to, uh, about some of those today. Um, I think becoming aware of what that model is and becoming aware of the influences and um, becoming aware of the sorts of things that I might be biased for or against, then we can catch ourselves. I think it's a, it's a case of becoming aware, then catching ourselves, and then clumsily choosing to do something different. And it does feel clumsy to start with. Um, Dr. Gordon has a thing he calls the thousand times rule, which is if you want to change something, you actually have to do it a thousand times. Well, that sounds, that sounds overwhelming, but in actual fact, you don't have to, quote, do it a thousand times. For many of it, you imagine yourself doing it. Imagine yourself behaving in a different way is almost as effectively as actually doing it itself. So, yes, we can. Yeah. It's not you know, something that necessarily happens overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you use your survey? How do you use your 17 capacity uh, survey to help people get insight and then 
you know, to your point of, you know, change drives fear. So how do you use that? Well, there's, there is a, it's a, um, an assessment that's a, it's a, it's available via the Internet on, on your computer, and you can go in and you answer, um, I think it's about uh, 30 questions up front about you as an individual, how old you are, your education level, what gender you are. And um, uh, so, you know, and obviously there's a dog in the background that worried about my questions. <laughs> um, and then you answer a series of 12 tests on the computer. Each one of them lasts about two minutes. And they test different aspects of your brain. Um, they, they then do some algorithmic uh, analysis and then come back and say, here's how you scored in these 17 different capacities. Um, you can then take a look at that, be helped with, uh, by a coach, take a look and see which ones you want to focus on, and then uh, you'll get directed to some training exercises that will actually tune those different parts of the brain up a little. And then you can go back in again, take another assessment, and see, uh, see what change you see. That's really interesting. Are you able to see any trends yet? Um, we've seen some amazing trends. Um, I, maybe I could just give you one example if we have time. That'd and be that great. Is, yes, well, do. Some person, and this true life case study, I can't give names. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, this person scored 3 in their ability to recognize emotional cues from other people. I, did they recognize when they were smiling, frowning, when they were worried, when they were excited? And he, he, he scored pretty low in that dimension. In fact, he scored 3 out of 10. So he chose to focus on that in the way of, uh, of a training exercise. Um, and I think he did about six weeks of work, um, 10 minutes a day, three days a week for that six weeks. And then he, t- he tested himself again. And this time around, he actually scored, I think it was seven and a half out of 10. So he had a, you know, a four and a half wow. point improvement. Um, and so when, when his coach said, well, what's the impact of that? He said, well, what, what the impact is, is now when I go into team meetings, he said, I actually see what's going on in the team, and if somebody isn't getting it, I can stop and say, you look worried or you look concerned. Or, you look... And he said it's actually had a significant impact in how I work as a team. He then added anecdotally, he said, I guess my wife likes it too. Yeah, I bet, I, I bet she does. That is huge. And that goes back a little bit to what I was saying about, you know, Walmart and maybe leaders being so financially focused that they are not able to get attuned into how people are feeling, how people are thinking, what's what's concerning them. And unless you're able to get that out, you're not going to get as much productivity out of people, correct? Absolutely. It, I mean, my, my conviction is it all, at some level, it all comes down to people. Yeah, I don't, it does in, all in come down to people. In some ways, it, you know, your strategy is important, your marketplace, your product, all of those things are important. But if you don't have the people that are going to be aligned to follow you, then you, it's, that's a tough road to hoe. Yeah. And, you know, where the survey is so powerful is what we have found in, you know, the, as you know, our winning with transglobal leadership work and research that one of the things that leaders, if they are going to be effective global leaders, they must have that sort of emotional uh, intelligence or what we call perceptive responsiveness, being able to see that maybe people are not getting it, not feeling comfortable with it, uh, maybe need to talk some things out, 
maybe need some clarity. So they're much more uh, sensitive to how people are reacting to things. And that's what makes the difference between an okay or mediocre global leader and a really outstanding global leader. So big, important thing. So we're coming up on 30 seconds, Phil, and give me uh, three pieces of advice you have uh, for leaders with neuroscience and then stay with me because we had somebody email in a question for you after the break, which we'll talk about. So three pieces of advice. Well, three pieces of advice. I probably would turn around and say, you know, it's almost like uh, people, people, and people. Um, you know, it's all about people, number one. When it, when it all boils down, it's about people. Number two, it's about if you can understand your brain and other people's brains, then you can become a better leader. Um, and in addition to that, you have to, um, you have to care about people. If you don't care about people at some level or have the empathy that you were just talking about, then people will pick it up. And we are really good at picking up uh, the, the subtle cues that we all give off in whether actually the leader cares about us. And if they don't, then we pick it up and we, we read it in a heartbeat. Right. No question about it. You read it in a heartbeat. Okay. We're coming up on a uh, break. Stay with us. Uh, we're talking to Phil Dixon, CEO uh, and founder of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. And Phil, we have a very good question uh, for you after this about the Academy and uh, how you, what kind of coaching you do. So uh, stay with us um, for our final segment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472 5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back uh, to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host. Uh, with me today is Phil Dixon, CEO of uh, the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership, and we're having a really lively and, I think, fascinating discussion about neuroscience and how the brain works and how this is really going to shape, you know, A, how we develop leaders, B, how we think about organizing the workplace, C, how we message things to people so that people are more engaged, and how we break down barriers between uh, respective groups and organizations. So, Phil, we had a question that got emailed in from Ken, who's in San Jose. Ken is a uh, leading uh, learning and development uh, person, and he's charged with uh, coming up with a sort of new and expansive uh, leadership development program and wants to know more about your academy and how it works and how uh, your faculty and how the assessment works. And perhaps you can give him some insight. Well, that's a, that's a big, long question. So let me see if I can break it, uh, break it down a little bit. First of all, the assessment itself, um, you, you can get it online. You can get it either as an individual or as a, uh, as a team, or you can get it as an organization. It's done at every, it's every one of those levels. Um, and um, I, you know, Linda can give you or I can give you the, um, the URL to go to, uh, uh, to uh, access us and uh, get hold of that assessment. Um, what we also do is we send have me a, a note, anybody who's listening, <laughs> and I'll send you out the URL. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Phil, but I just wanted to say that to people. If you send me an email, I'll send you out the URL. But go ahead. Um, so that's one way. The second thing is what we we've done is we've taken all the traditional uh, areas of leadership development and said let's take a look at what would happen if you looked at all of these areas from a, a brain-based perspective. So just very briefly, for example, we know that uh, the quotes, quotes, traditional uh, way of brainstorming doesn't actually work very well. But if you look at it through a brain-based lens, then you can adjust how we do brainstorming um, or adjust how we do creativity or innovation or any of those things or inclusion, uh, engagement, all of those type of things. If you re-look at it through a... Um, a brain-based lens, you actually find that you'll, you'll change the way that you do leadership development. So I would actually recommend anybody from right on, from here on out, take a, take a brain-based approach and you'll see what an incredible difference it makes. Yeah, and you and I are doing that, that uh, brain-based coaching because uh, you also offer coaching uh, around your assessment. And then we're doing that um, brain-based uh, behavioral change coaching model together sometime this fall. So stay tuned for that. I'm excited about that. Well, Phil, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I really appreciate it and just appreciate your time and your insight. And uh, I'm excited to have this be uh, Neuroscience Month. So thanks, Phil. Oh, thank you. And I'm excited about listening into to the next uh, three sessions. So thanks again for your time, Linda. Oh, you're welcome, Phil. And, and that's thank you for the segue because we are going to be doing uh, three more segments. Uh, the next week is going to be with Dan uh, Radecki, 
a PhD in neuroscience, uh, been in this field for a long time. He basically has done numerous studies, and he actually is the first architect of uh, the Neuroscience uh, Leadership uh, Institute and Approach. And Dan is going to be unpacking bias and um, how the neuroscience impacts bias. And then he's going to be talking about um, how all of this can apply to families and kids and how you can find out uh, how you can use this beyond the C-suite and beyond the organization. Um, what are the limits of the brain um, and what the brain as we know it is really all about. So that's going to be very exciting. And then following that, we're going to have Catherine Hambly. And Catherine is going to be talking about resilience and stress and the impact it has on the brain and um, how you coach people to change the way their brain works. Uh, so this should be a fascinating uh, discussion. So um, some examples and stories from how you would really coach somebody to really make a difference and adjust uh, their resilience and their ability to manage and deal with stress, which we all do a lot. And then finally, Tony Polte, um, who is uh, a practitioner and applied numerous brain-based approaches um, throughout organizations. And he's going to be talking about the 17 brain capabilities in a great deal of detail, which one are the most common that people need to develop, what are some of the patterns that are interesting, and I love this one, how people can lose 20% of their intelligence in a nanosecond and what to avoid if you don't want to get dumber. Now, I definitely don't want to get dumber. So that's what's ahead, and I'm, I'm uh, quite excited about that. This, by the way, are, are, are the people that you're going to be hearing from are the faculty of the Academy of Brain-Based Leadership. It's quite a... Uh, 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 well thought of, well grounded group of people who not only are uh, expert uh, academics around the field, in the field, but are also grounded practitioners who do this every single day and have great stories and experiences to share uh, around it. I do also want to say that we are uh, going to be doing CEO month. Uh, the month of July, and we're going to be talking to a number of really great global CEOs and how they have sustained their companies through good times and and bad, frankly, by focusing on the people and how they've stayed on the top of their game by focusing on what Phil has said are the three P's, people, people, people. And if you focus on your people, the research has proven that you will, in fact, be a market leader. You will beat your competition because your people will make sure that you beat your competition. So we have an exciting couple of months ahead. Uh, Going to be in South Africa in October doing a talent-based uh, leadership program uh, there, a talent mastery boot camp, using some concepts around how do you create the Agile organization of the future that really is going to be the organization where people want to come, where employees thrive. So stay tuned for that. Um, looking forward to hearing from you. 
If you have any questions, you want the URL for the Brain-Based 17 Capacity Survey, send me a note, send me a tweet, or send me an email, and I will forward that to you um, as soon as possible within the next uh, couple of days. So everyone have a wonderful weekend and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you next week when we have Dan Radecki talking about the brain and bias and what you can do. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.